Can you hear the rain? It, I mean, I can't stop the rain. So, it's like... Well, hello there. Welcome to On The Beat, the podcast that uncovers full frontal male nudity in cinema. My name is Laura, and I am joined by my co-host, Ryan. I am here. And we are also joined by our resident Greta Gerwig enthusiast, Josh Martin. (laughs) Yep, I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't keep him away. That was the thing. Greta? One sniff at Greta. Greta Gerwig titties and some Swanberg dick. You know, I'm going to be there. (laughs) Love that shit. Absolutely. That's a that's a sandwich. That's a soft sandwich right there. Oh, it won't we be are soft not... when I get to it. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about the 2008. Uh, we we will describe oh, what Mumblecore is. Um, oh, fuck yeah. Film Nights and Weekends, starring Greta Gerwig, Joe Swanberg. I I wrote Jay Duplass in it, but he's only in it for like a moment. He's basic, yeah. He's like a he's like a passing. He's like passing in the wind. Like Lynn Shelton, they, they, they all work together. They all show up in each other's stuff. Yes, yeah. they're all best well, friends. I refer to his 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 appearance as a mumble cameo. Um, yeah. you know, because he's just kind of there. But they're all they're all kind of interspersed. I mean, well, yeah, we'll the get gang? we'll get in it. Yeah, they're kind of all interspersed, as in like you'll see the same names working on the same films within this kind of you know this subgenre. But obviously, we'll get into like mumblecore. I don't I mean I don't like the term mumblecore. Well, nobody does. Nobody does. It seems like it's it, it's 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 disparaging, and it's Is kind it? of. I think it's a little bit, yeah. I mean, I'll get into it when we get into okay. it, I suppose. But uh, I'll, I've never I'll, thought about it that way. I'll strike. I'll strike my case, I guess. Well, no, um, no one in interviews that I have read have liked it. They kind of gloss over it. But mumblecore, in terms of defining what it is, is a genre that began on the independent film circuit in the early 2000s, consisting of low budgets, naturalistic dialogue, and character portrayal. Handheld camera work was also involved. So it's basically just a dialogue-driven indie film is is mumblecore. Yeah, which is kind of like, I mean, it's the very basis of what is American independent cinema, at least from its conception in the, the 1960s. Right. I mean, there is an argument to be made that, um... Andrew, B- uh, I always screw Bajalski? up his last name. I always for mess up his last name. That he and he may have been one of the first. I mean, he's part of the Joe Swanberg crew. He's in Hannah Takes the Stairs. Yeah. But his his first feature, Funny Ha Ha, and then followed up by Mutual Appreciation in two thousand five. Yes. Are two of like the most defining of that subgenre. Uh, yeah, all, it, I've yeah. I've read that they people have called Andrew Bajowski the godfather of mumblecore. Um, interestingly, he's about to come, or he's going to be doing a Zoom Q and A uh, in November with his movie, uh, his movie um, Computer Chess. Oh fuck! Yeah. I just watched that. Oh really? Yeah, it's pl- they're going to be playing it at NZN, and uh, he's going to do a Zoom Q and A. Sign me stoked. up. Yeah, for that. His, his work af- uh, post mumblecore has been really interesting. Support the girls is a really fun movie. I'm excited because I've kind of gotten into this hole with yeah. all these guys and this interconnected yeah. best friends web yeah. that they have woven. Um, it's a really rich. Um, 
kind of slice of American, you know, Americana kind of like indie cinema. Right. It's it it does harken back to something that you would have seen maybe in the sixties or seventies, but yeah. outside of the Hollywood system. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's uh, it's interesting to see that. It ones. reminds me a lot of like early Cassavetes and like mm-hmm. those those ideals that he kind of brought to the free because obviously I think his most prominent independent film is is probably Shadows. It's not his best film, but it's the film mm-hmm. that basically said at the time that you have no excuse not to be able to make a film of your own because he made yeah. Shadows with effectively just him and some and obviously friends and like members of his uh his acting class and they had some lights they had a camera and they just went off and they they just they made a film basically and it's in the, in, the, in the exact same principle as what uh as what you know effectively you know quote unquote mumblecore is what is yeah well these guys came in and just set set up their own rules and said we're going to define yeah. our own film language and do it on our own terms the technology yeah. has changed it's become cheaper at the time and I think Nights and Weekends is probably the most polished uh, to date of t- 2008 of right. all those. Um, and you'll even see that in the credits where Greta Gerwig and Joe Swanberg are the only ones credited as writers and directors. Right. Yeah. Where the collective is usually credited. Everybody involved, because the whole thing is improvised. They all collectively come up with bullet points as to where they want the plot to go. And they just sort of throw themselves into it and let it right. go. Yeah. This is a little more of a movie movie than that, I think. True. Um, which is probably why I like it so much. I think it's kind of a middle ground between his movies that he made later, like Drinking Buddies and um, uh, Digging for Fire, some of those, the Jake Johnson stuff. Yeah. Um, but I like Digging for Fire. Digging for Fire is a fun movie. We're going to talk about that. That's another thing I like about Mumblecore, almost specifically Swanberg Mumblecore, is that there be dicks. Yeah. There be dicks in all... An, so many, a vast, vast, vast majority of I his mean, films. I mean, I think that we maybe have a little bit of a missed opportunity here with doing Nights and Weekends, because Kissing on the Mouth has him masturbating in the shower to completion. To, not I, I'm not saying that we're not going to do that film. <laughs> oh, okay, let me know when you want to do that, because I have something to I'm say about I'm kind of shoehorning in this Greta Gerwig thing, because... She's so popular. She right is very now. popular right now. And so I thought talking about her kind of that makes sense. Sort of directorial debut. Yeah. I also think Nights and Weekends is a good like opener to this subgenre mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, because once we dip Absolutely. into once we dip into the other ones, like because certainly, the mouth, it's gonna get because certainly I don't know different. if if does Creep Two fall under this. Uh, very loosely. I think that there's really... O- the only horror movie that, that I know of, uh, I think, is uh, Baghead. I watched that last yeah. night. Yeah, the Duplass Brothers did that with Green Greta Gerwig's and that as well. I think that's a really interesting movie. I actually I really, really liked that yeah. movie, and there's no dick in it, though. That's true. The only thing I like... I think about the guys in that. Ew. The only thing I like <laughs> about... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh no! The only thing I like about the fact that mumblecore is is a thing, as much as I don't like the term, is that there's a subgenre of the subgenre which is mumble gore. 
<laughs> which is the the horror mix of the subgenre. How many more of those are there? There's got to be stuff. So I don't is know it? About. Is it I have bag, no idea. Bag it just, head and yeah, I think it's anything that has like a horror element of it that is already situated within the mumblecore genre. Yeah. I mean, and if... I don't have any kind of specific titles. As if anyone, no one sees my notes at the moment. Like one page is dedicated just to Joe Swanberg, and another page is just dedicated to. Greta Gerwig and then Mumblecore. I still have two more pages of notes just on the film itself. I think so, if if you're saying it like that, I think you probably could fairly easily put Creep or Creep Two yeah. into that Cause sub sub genre. Because I don't think Mumblecore is also just a sub is not just a genre that uh, is defined by the dialogue and the way that the scripts are written and performed it's also the way they're shot exactly they're yeah. shot on digital video handheld loose and quick i mean that's a reason small that, crew yeah. of best friends and <laughs> and and sometimes make a movie while they're making a movie to you know i mean they're so overlapping i mean how many movies did he make in 2011 or whatever it's like five or six yes. right seven i think seven yeah. yeah seven films and i remember back then at the time he had a deal with um Oh, what's the company? Uh, Factory 25. Okay. They were putting out his box sets of his movies that, you know, would have like eight movies in them. They'd sell them for 150 bucks. And in his mind, he would say, he's like, are you kidding me? I can sell a hundred of those and finance two or three movies. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, because that's just how quickly they were pumping them out. Um, I love so. the fact that he's able to do that though like i yeah. love the idea of just being given a bunch of money and it's like oh yeah i could make three films with this like i don't need to squander this cash trying to make something yeah that's that's far too overbloated or whatever it is and it's kind of just it's like getting back to the basics and the purity of just cinema in general which is you know part of the reason why i actually really really enjoy nights and weekends but the thing I also have as well is that, you know, we look at this as like a subgenre and obviously independent film is not a, it's not an unfamiliar concept as in, you know, we're looking at it from say 50 years ago from the 1960s kind of coming into this. And obviously this is 2008 and I would even go so far as, you know, we talk about like the digital film format and all these sorts of things. I mean, we've already had like Blair Witch Project and then I'd also kind of look at like Soderbergh and stuff like that where obviously in the 90s you've got indie films that are basically kind of pushed into the mainstream. So for here, this is almost, as far as I'm aware, this is more reactionary to the fact that you know, because everything's cyclical. Um, you have big budget films. You always have a subset of filmmakers who are just like, well, we can't operate within the big budget filmmaking structure. We will just go out there and we will make our own tiny little films to I've... hopefully find their audience. Well, yeah, but that's also probably the films that they wanted to make. <laughs> And speaking of conversations, this is not, uh, that's not the best way to do it, but I want to tell you the synopsis of Nights and Weekends. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, let's get there. One sentence, baby. A man <laughs> and woman must face the tension that builds between them during a long distance relationship. That's all it's about. Yeah. yeah. 79 that's minutes. That's it. Oh, 
Oh, my heart oh, goes Mumblecore, a flutter. Mumblecore sh- movies are all under 80 minutes. They're all under 80 minutes. Sometimes they're, like, they're under 70 minutes. I could cry. <laughs> yeah. I That's probably why if you looked at my letterbox from yesterday, I think I watched like five or six movies. They're yeah. so respectful of your time. And they're fun. And there are moments where some of these films, like even in this one, where even with the short runtime, it gets a little slow. But like, you don't feel it as much because you know that you're only contracted for a short amount of time. Yeah. So you go, okay, I it's think, fine. I think the last movie he made called Build the Wall, which you can only buy on VHS. That's the last, s- yeah, that's the last one. Yeah. I couldn't find that. I have so. it. I have the VHS of it. There's a VHS uh, copy of that movie that's that all came out in that's 2020? The only, that's the only physical media that exists of that movie. Holy But that movie's fuck. only like 55 minutes long. Yikes, okay, great. <laughs> Ken, Ken Osborne and... Uh, uh, Fucking from Little Children and Happiness. Uh Oof. oh, is it that Patrick guy? No, the woman. The woman from Hat. Oh, At the opening on. scene with John Lovitz. Uh no, you're gonna have Jane to Adams. Music. Jane Adams. Right there. Oh, Jane Adams. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Jane Adams was in a, a, one of the other things I watched the other day. Yeah. She's in a lot. Yeah. But yeah, you should watch Build the Wall. It's 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 pretty good. Well, I got to find yeah, that it has and borrow it. your tape player. It's got well, a dick in it too? Yeah. Got a lot of work yeah, to do, guys. Yeah, Os- Ken Osborne, man, known for Dick and Joe Swanberg movies and Adventure Time. We're, we we're gonna are going to gonna have to, have to dedicate yeah. one calendar year to all these movies. <laughs> it's going to be a weird year. Yeah. Are you just going to have me on every episode? Because I know more than I should. Sure. Potentially. That's, I mean, no, to be you know fair, what? We'll just start a new podcast. <laughs> well, look, Joe's Mumblecox. Either... <laughs> yeah, Mumblecox. Um, no, to be <laughs> honest, I mean, yeah, if we did that, it would either be the success of the podcast or the death of the podcast. It's just a spinoff. It's just a yes. special series. Oh, that's that's the one uh, we're gonna put on Patreon. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. If I keep on hearing the word "fucking Patreon," I'm gonna fucking kill myself. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So this film is directed, co-directed by Joe Swanberg and Greta Gerwig. So let is let us hand it off to Rye Dog. Oof, Jesus. Um, we'll we'll see what you do with this. Cause good luck. So yeah, this is the first time we've we've done a twofer. So obviously, Joe Swanberg. We'll start off with him because we'll get to Greta soon enough. Um, he's a, an American independent filmmaker, uh, obviously of micro-budget films, uh, often focus on relationships, sex, technology, and the filmmaking process. Yeah. Now, his filmography, and we've kind of mentioned quite a fair amount of his films already, is incredibly extensive, um, which I think is good. I think it's kind of, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, if this guy keeps on going at the rate that he's been going, it's kind of like rivaling a Takeshi Miike sort of situation who makes at least three or four films every year. Um, but I don't know if I want to kind of pick out some of the, the notables here because the list is so long. But let's just like kind of, we'll go through some of it and we'll kind of pick out some of the main things. So... Kissing on the Mouth came out in 2005. LOL came out in 2006. Lol. But LOL, yes, LOL, <laughs> um, it marked the kind of uh, the, the kind of the first the first workings with uh, Greta Gerwig. Um, but she's also in his next kind of two films, which is Hannah Takes the Stairs in 2007, and then obviously the film that we're covering today, which is Nights and Weekends in 2008. And then kind of after that, and obviously when we get into 2011, which is 
I incorrectly said it was seven. It's actually just six. Again, it was one short. It's still a lot. It's still a lot of fucking films. Uh, Alexander the Last came out in 2009. Uncle Kent came out in 2011. And then it's Silver Bullets the same year. Caitlin Plays Herself the same year. Autoerotic the same year. Art History the same year. And The <laughs> Zone the same year. Most of those are shy of an hour long. They're glorified short films. Yes. I mean, yeah, I have most of them. They're... I think yeah. the only reason they'd probably be classed as feature films is because they're maybe, they're just, they're getting up to the cusp of 60 minutes. Yeah, well, Academy Standard is 40 and a half minutes. Yeah, so, so like, every time you send something to a festival, I think it's like 40 oh, yeah. anything I know over 40 I minutes. I fucking 39-minute long doc short. Ooh. I know exactly what that shit is. Yeah. <laughs> but, it uh, might be amazing. I'm not saying it's not. <clears throat> Keep making your art and expressing yourself. I love it. It's so rewarding. Here's my thing. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm not even, like, this is just something, this is like a kind of quick segue, but I think if you can't make a fucking short film that's anything that's, like, under 15 fucking minutes, it's not a short film. That just means you can't tell the story in 15 minutes. Anything that's, like, 30 minutes, it deserves to be on TV. Anything other than that, you're like, no, you need to make it either 70 or 80 fucking minutes long. So you really need to make your fucking mind up. I don't understand it myself fucking hate seeing that shit anyway here we are we're back vhs he also did a segment which was called uh the sick thing that happened to emily when she was younger and that was in 2012 after that in 2012 VHS movies are pretty interesting those those fall under your mumble core horror i would say and they have a dick in them yep yes i think i mean what's the best one out of that i think it's vhs 2 2 is the yeah, one that i think is the, really good yeah i think 2 is really cool I we think watched the... vhs recently and i was his I, segment was fine. pretty good his segment's really good but the problem is is you have to go through a, a bunch of shite before you get there yeah wasn't his segment the one with like the video camera and then there were like someone was getting filmed yeah like someone's walking into the hotel room yeah. yes Ugh, so creepy yeah yes so right. creepy yeah it's really clever. Fuck I think that. I think that's the one thing I actually quite admire about Joe Swanberg is like his his handling of the medium within the constraints of like this subgenre that's kind of been thrust I on think him that, within the low budgets. That what's kind of funny too is that he's able to kind of uh, put a, a humorous spin on it from time to time. Mm -hmm. Like um, Ty, the Ty, Ty West is also part of this little group. You know, uh, I just noticed that. Yeah, I just yeah, noticed that. yeah. Um, but he directed the Sacrament, which um, plays out like a mockumentary, but it's supposed to be an actual Vice documentary that's being produced at a Jonestown kind of thing. Uh, Joe Swanberg plays the videographer. But he's actually running the camera because he has a he knows how to, so he's acting as the f uh, videographer while this crazy shit is happening, but also in real life shooting it. Oh my god! So like they're talk about uh, cost effective. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys know what's up. <laughs> so we're very close to the end of his filmography, and okay. I'm only covering it because we're gonna return to Joe Swanberg at some point over the course of this. Uh, oh yeah, the tenure of this podcast. In 2012, he also made Marriage Material, and then also in 2012, he made All the Light in the Sky. And then, obviously, we mentioned Drinking Buddies in 2013. 24 Exposures came out the same year in 2013. Happy Christmas in 2014. Digging for Fire that we mentioned also, which is 2015. Win It All in 2017. And then, from 2020, Build the Wall. So, Greta. Let's go and talk about Greta Gerwig. This I is love, why everyone's here for, I, I suppose. I love her so much. Um... So, 
I guess in contrast to Joe Swanberg, I mean, we're kind of more familiar with her as an American actress, but then also she's a screenwriter and she's also a director. And I feel like she's obviously coming to more prominence in the mainstream, as opposed to, say, Joe Swanberg, who kind of really hasn't done that. But I don't think that's that's not a detriment to himself either. Um, so let's just say Greta's worked in independent films, obviously acting and writing, and a lot of that is like co-writing credits. Um, but obviously that's made her move into making more major studio films, and obviously she made the smash hit that was uh, Barbie. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of very difficult to kind of avoid the fact that she's obviously kind of gone on to have quite an illustrious career. So... She's partnered with Noah Baumbach, and they've kind of been together for a wee while, but you can obviously tell that their influence is very much, uh, you know, is very much a creative one, and that she's in she's in Greenberg, which was obviously 2010, and then Frances Ha, which I would say is probably the seminal piece um, from 2012, um, and obviously she's acting in a whole bunch of things. Do you know what's embarrassing about that? I spoke to you about it, Ryan. The first time I saw yes. Frances Ha, I was in an airport, and I was locked in the airport because all the flights got shut down and I was poor. So I was watching it on my phone oh, in the airport and it was really cold bad, yeah. and cool. I didn't like it um, when I watched it on my phone in a closed airport. And then I watched it the other day and I cried. It hit, I love it, it so much. So like so uncomfortably close to home at times. Yeah. The first time I saw it was a, uh, I was doing a tech screening because it was showing at the theater I was working with. And, um, I'm watching it, and there's the line where she says that Sophie, her best friend Sophie, always makes fun of her because she can't account for her bruises in the morning. Like, she's out at night and mm-hmm. falls or whatever. Uh, I absol- I was 27 as well, same age as, <laughs> as Francis in the movie, and uh, I definitely had a black eye, and I didn't know why I had it, because I had been <laughs> drinking the night before. Yeah. Uh, it was really depressing. Um, but side note, though, to that, which was really fun, was that... Um, I, I, at, at that point in time in 2013, I was still a big, big fan of uh, Mumblecore. I was into that whole thing. And we got word from IFC that they were arranging for Zoom, or I'm sure actually at the time it was Skype, Skype Q&As with filmmakers. And they we were showing Frances Ha. And so opening night at night after the 9 p.m. show, she Zoomed in and we were able to do a Q&A. But we knew about it just a week in advance. And so at the admin meeting sitting around, uh, keep in mind, I'm the 27-year-old sitting there. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, the president of the theater is like, well, who's going to do it? And he's like, Josh, I think you should do it. And I'm like, there's got to be somebody more qualified than me. And he's like, <laughs> you just told us everything about everything she's ever made. I think you're qualified. Yeah. And so I got to moderate a, a, a Q&A with her, and it was really, she was so sweet. Like, very strange but quite, like kind of quiet. Uh, very, very nice, though. It was one of the most interesting uh, experiences I ever had working with an artist uh, in that capacity. Like, she's just really, really kind. And I did bring up, because I said, well, when are we going to see in the director chair again? Because I'm a big fan of Nights and Weekends. And she was like, eh, I can't really talk about it, but we have something coming coming up. And that thing ended up being Ladybird. Yeah. So that was... Uh, I think what ultimately pushed her, I mean, certainly Frances Ha put her in the spotlight, but then the uh, the critical acclaim and commercial success of Lady Bird really was good for her. 
Sorry about that, Ryan. Sorry, Ryan. No, you're okay. Lady I was ex- Bird. I was expecting you to bring that up because I, I knew about that story before. Um, I love that story. I think it's yeah. so neat. And I think that Greta's cool. Well, the thing is, it immediately clashes with anything that you feel like you've heard before where it's like, oh, God, I've got to moderate this Q&A with, say, like, this name yeah. in the industry. It's and awful. It's like, and it's the worst fucking experience you've ever had. <laughs> well, that's the thing is I think a lot of people think that, like, oh, my God, you get to meet a celebrity. It's actually kind of nerve-wracking because, yeah. like, are they going to be a piece of shit? Yeah. Is the audience going to be pieces of shit? Yeah. There's a lot of – it's not, yeah, as straightforward as maybe some people think. Yeah. But I would say, like, in terms of her films and the way she's kind of put things out, I mean, she's said this herself, like, a lot of her writing comes from the things that she's experienced in her own life. Um, So in terms of, like, co-written projects, this is kind of, again, like, this is her filmography. We're kind of doing it slightly differently in that she's kind of acting in a lot of stuff, but then she's also co-writing the same things whilst also acting in them. Um, So obviously... She co-wrote Hannah Takes the Stairs in 2007, obviously Nights and Weekends as a co-director as well. And then also she did she did co-write Northern Comfort in 2010, obviously Frances Ha, and then Mistress American in, uh, in 2015. And then obviously with her directing stuff, we mentioned Lady Bird, which was 2017. This is kind of where she propels to doing slightly more exclusively directing things. And then obviously we have Little Women in 2019, and then Barbie in 2023. But she's also penned to be writing the, uh, I guess, the reboot, live-action reboot, Disney reboot of Snow White for uh, 2024. So can't wait for that one. (laughs) All those new Disney movies have been poor. Do you want to hear my trivia tidbits first? Or should we talk about the movie? What do you think? I mean, we usually end with trivia. Okay, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago. We're Two in Chicago, lovers, yes. Finally together. Ready to pork. I don't like when it's called that. I've I said think it that's twice. that's gross. I know you have. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's gross. They're ready to make love. Oh, that's so much that's worse. That's even worse. Yeah, it's <laughs> awful. My <Yeah>. lover. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm so in love with you. I just no. so in love with you. They're going to have sex. There you go. These it's, two yeah. people. Um, I don't know who was doing the sound for this. I think it was one of the producers, you know, because they're all friends. <laughs> But there is a lot of loud mouth noises going on in the beginning of the film. Lots of wet mouth kisses. Big smoochies. Huh. I yeah. don't love that. Okay. I mean, I think it. I think they're coming from. It's coming from them. Where did you think? Where did? Where did <laughs> you think that screen. I thought it was going from? Well, I don't know. I thought you were like there's. There's other people in the room making the noises. No, I just didn't know it. if like the boom was too close to their mouth. And it was ADR. Just hear, yeah, <laughs> ADR. They, yeah, they were like, you know what this scene needs? Yeah. More... Some wet mouth kisses. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, Jay Duplass is just like, I need more of a contribution It doesn't to sound wet like... enough, guys. Make it wetter. <laughs> make it wetter. <laughs> Ew. But these saw... These, these... Yo, make it wetter. I hate it so much Speaking of wetter The soft young bodies Of these two people Mashing up against each other Sweet Joe Swanberg's got the softest Little 
young man body. Joseph's I love it. I love, I that love his it. movies always have realistic looking people. Well, I'm not, and I'm not shitting on it. It just, yeah. I, I liked that. Yeah. I'm like, look at his cute soft yes. body. Yeah. yeah. We're also very realistic looking like, people. I yes. mean, Greta Gerwig is much more attractive than Joe Swanberg is. Yes. Uh, He's not he's not an unattractive man, he's just a regular looking white man. I don't think who, he's very attractive. He just looks like all of I the don't. guys that I went to I middle school fuck with. Him. <laughs> I mean I I mean he looks like my middle school. I guess from, maybe he I guess know. that's what it is. He looks like a middle schooler to me. Yeah. And I yeah. don't like middle schoolers. Well, he's got that chin. No. He's got that <laughs> Yeah, he's got that chin sexually or otherwise. Yeah. He's got that <laughs> The chin strap, yeah. The yeah. chin strap where That's I'm disgusting. just like, yeah, it's like it was there and I hated it. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look great. I would have um, broken up with him just for that. Yeah, I mean, he might be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's punching above his weight, but then, yeah, I mean, I guess it's. Well, they he kind of they kind of comment on that in the movie, yeah, where he do. talks about uh, his perceived handsomeness versus <clears throat> what it really is. Yeah. There's a whole conversation about that in the I film, like that yeah. A lot. yeah, where he openly admits, "Oh yeah, I'm not an attractive person, <laughs> but I have this projected fake confidence that becomes real confidence." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, all right, yeah, that so, works. I yeah, know. yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. Well, we get to drop into a a dick scene. Fucking right away. Two minutes in. Straight I mean, away, it's post-title yeah. card, but... I mean, it right. starts with that. So. Yeah, that's the opening scene is sex on the kitchen floor. Sex yeah. on the kitchen floor. Yeah. Straight from the airport, getting it in, getting it done. I like it so much, despite the wet mouth sounds. <laughs> this whole opening bit, because you don't really know what's going on. You just know that these two people want to get down and dirty and but I'm, I'm here my, for it. But it's not dirty either. It's, it's like, and I know, I, know that's I, know. Not, I know that's not what you mean. You're using it that, but I mean, there's something very innocent about the way that it's shown. Oh, for sure. That's what I, they're laughing. They're playful. I don't know. I like yeah. that. I Mismatched underwear. Yeah. Like trying to pull socks off, you know, just they want, they, they want it and they want it now and they're going to get it. Yeah, because yeah. I wouldn't say the moment itself is like particularly sexy. It's incredibly no. relatable. Yeah, it's like, not sexy. It's not hot. Yeah. I don't no. think it's meant to be. It's not no. salacious in any way. No, it's just like, very naturalistic because like, it's something that's quite relatable. Some a conversation that I feel like we've had before. Maybe I don't remember exactly, but I think this would be a good way to talk about it. Is that uh, what is it that defines pornography? Yeah, right. you know, like let's say that that scene did show penetrative, unsimulated sex, it still wouldn't be pornography. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think anybody's jerking off to that. I mean, maybe. I don't know. But. Uh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that. I did But I, I, I think that, no, I didn't either. Uh, <laughs> Ryan? <laughs> Ryan? Um, I don't know. Uh-oh, I mean, take it a little long to answer. Um, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to answer. No, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't. I don't have an issue with it because I'm also a spongy boy, but at the same time, um, you oh my know, God. yeah, I mean, no, I'm just like, oh, we've all been there <laughs> trying to get our clothes off. Yeah. Ryan, did that's... you not know I'm a virgin? Um, it's really hurtful. I mean, I know now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving myself for Jesus. <laughs> that's right. So when you get up to heaven, is that top. what happens when you go to heaven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
God, you're gonna remind me of all those Facebook posts. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't like, know that we're religious. That are like, like Jesus, Jesus get inside me, yeah. <laughs> Lord, fill me up. Yeah. Jesus is no sloppy party bottom. I, I can't see that happening. You're gonna go. Well, out you there can't come over to my place. Like, oh Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just a guy named Jesus that I'm picking up at Home Depot. He thinks he's gonna be mowing my lawn. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm raping him. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you guys, this movie hasn't even started god. yet. Uh, well, it technically Jesus, has. Jesus Christ! Hey, yeah. you guys invite me. <laughs> All right, this. Do you assume scene. that I'm not gonna make a joke like that? That's on you. <laughs> I wouldn't have used the R word though. I would have been like, "You're gonna whine and dine him. You're gonna set him down." Oh no, it's gonna put something gonna in his come, drink. Yeah, you're no. gonna. You're gonna. No, you put something in his mouth. Um, <laughs> you guys, get back to the My point. My dick. <laughs> What the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, wait, no, I've got to stop saying that. <laughs> Jiminy oh, Crickets. God. Jesus Cristo. Jesus Cristo. <laughs> no one's, yeah, no one's looking for him. No. After, yeah, after you tell him to leave. <laughs> Broken. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, stay- boxers inside out, oh god, bloody oh jeans. Oh my god! Oh god! Stay prayed up, you guys. Okay. Oh. oh god, there's a reason he's he's the owner of Uncomfortable Brunch. Like that's it. Yeah, it's all all makes all makes perfect sense. Sorry, Laura. Go, go ahead, finish your. This was the first uh, scene that they shot for the film. Uh, naked on the kitchen floor. Okay. And um. Swanberg's got a like a half chub, like a legit. He does have a half chubby. I don't chubby. even know if he has yeah. half chub. That might just be a boner. The way he was sitting, I could see that. You know, I bet you if he was standing, it would seem a little bit bigger. Yeah, which is interesting because yeah. we don't see that often, especially on the films that we've covered in the podcast. I think there was one that we talked about for Red Road that was a boner. I mean, the definitive... That was an erection. The def- oh, the, that's what you mean. Is that it, being an erection? But an actual, like, oh, erect yeah. penis on film. I mean, under the skin is the one where... Oh, yeah. It's got, is that real or is, is that prosthetic? Uh, we're under it's, the impression that it's real. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, real until told otherwise. I don't know. You're smiling. <laughs> True. Yeah. You do I find this stuff joke. funny. I'm taking. Yeah, <laughs> most people have taken. More. I can also take a dick, as in this dick scene <laughs> at two minutes and twenty nine seconds into the film. Thank you very much, Joe Swanberg's penis that we see three times during this film. We do, yes, um, we do. So, you know, if we're gonna break down this scene, there's not too much to break down. It's two people on a kitchen floor pulling each other's pulling each other's clothes off. Yeah. Um, and what happens if you have a camera wide watching two people and you're taking your clothes off, a penis pops up. That's just what happens. I just think it's very interesting yeah. that um, it's erect, you know? But, like, what are you going to do? Like, I you're in this scene. It doesn't. It struck me as though there wasn't a whole lot of blocking to that scene. I think they just kind of did it. The producer said that they blocked that really? scene several times. Oh, weird. It yeah. doesn't feel, I mean, they must have done a very good job because it does not feel like it. Yeah, they blocked it several huh. times and they also said they had to reshoot it because they first shot it at night 
and then they did it again because oh. they didn't like it. So, hmm. so yeah, there was some practice that went into huh. that bad boy. And that penis came out every time, I assume. It sets the stage for the overall, um, like, the stylistic, um, like, look of the film as well. Because obviously it's shot on digital, but for the most part, almost every single scene is one single take, and it's all one handheld wide, for the most part. There's not a lot of close-ups in the film. Mm -hmm. The camera does zoom in at points... But it's kind of like it's indicative of the fact that like you're operating on a mini DV camera, you do have that option, so you can do that. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's just a handheld DV camera, pretty much stationary in one place, each yeah. of the scenes, and they're just kind of obviously kind of chained together. the The scene after this is where they're taking a shower, or Swanberg's taking a shower, and. Yeah. Greta Gerwig's gotten out of the shower. But there's something I really, really like about this, and this is about 2 minutes 58 seconds, like mm -hmm. literally 30 seconds after the first dig scene, there's another one. But it's just, you know, post-coital shower time. And there's a moment where Greta Gerwig... It, I don't even know their characters' names. Maddie and James. Jesus. that's gonna. I'm not even going to say those. <laughs> Greta Gerwig is sitting outside of the shower in a towel, and Joe Swanberg's still in the shower... But there's a moment where he's kind of toweling himself off and the camera moves as he moves. So like he bends down to kind of like towel himself off and the camera moves. So you see like you see his penis and you see his whole body, which I, I don't know. I just found that choice interesting that like they wouldn't just hold the camera there. I don't mind it because I think that that's great. It's just like when you have a shot from that angle... And then it moves up and down. Do you know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't typically see mm -hmm. a guy's penis in the shower if you're shooting it like that. Am I wrong, Ryan? Um, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of wondering what you're getting at. There, Just that, let's say, let's say you have a man in a shower, right? Right. And he's bending off, bending down and toweling himself off. The camera doesn't typically, in a film, move with him while he's toweling himself off. Like, tilt up and down. No, not ordinarily, but I mean, I guess, like, there's a lot of freedom to the way that this film is being shot because of how naturalistic it is just by design. So I guess... That's the point I'm getting at. Yeah, I guess that's maybe the main reason why, like, it's just one of those things. Like, we don't need to see that. But I mean, I guess, like, realism by just the design and how it's been depicted in cinema is that it's... It's it's in it's it's engaging, but it's also kind of it has this weird voyeuristic quality. So like certainly if you think about like Italian neorealism films, like they show there's there you know, there's films out there. I think it's I think it might be Litera Trauma, I can't really remember. But there's like an extended scene of just a woman sweeping on the floor. I kind of feel like that's an extension of this. Where it's kind of like there's no need to cut away, this is just what's happening because this is realism as far as they're concerned. Yeah. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier where I felt like this was a maybe a more polished version of what he had been working towards. Yeah. Um right. I think that things like that he spent the previous few features uh kind of figuring out where maybe it was intentional, maybe it was just creating an environment on set that made it so that the uh, camera operator just went with it, a feeling. Yeah. It couldn't yeah. be any of those things. I wasn't there. But what, regardless, you can tell that he is getting better 
at expressing what he wants. Yeah. You know, though, just to see the progression of, of his filmography, this seems like a real turning point for, for me. Yeah. It feels like a film that, like, there's this real emphasis on giving these individuals, be it behind the camera or in front of the camera, just a degree of freedom so that they're able to enact these things appropriately. Like, that's kind of what I get from this. Um, and I would say, like, you know, I mean, if we want to use Cassavetes as a as an example, for the most part, a lot of his films are shot on sticks. There's not a lot of handheld stuff in yeah. that. But certainly he's allowing the action to play out and he has placed the camera in what he feels is the most appropriate place for the action to take place. And he's not particular he's not telling people particularly to do very certain things. They are doing them and just kind of by design. So I guess like this is why we're seeing a lot of wide. We're not seeing a lot of close ups. And I guess kind of there's this big difference like this kind of gaping difference between i don't want to say like something that's uncinematic but i guess like what you would feel to be a kind of more conventional telling of a story where you start from a wide and you move in slightly closer in order to kind of to, you know to create drama as opposed to this where the drama is unfolding and you're kind of seeing it from say the 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 passerby sort of perspective um which is kind of what i've seen realism in, in film um to be or at least the kind of the best aspects of what that can be in cinema yeah i like this film a lot in terms of what the original intention was which was a relationship story you know and and just through filming it and then through their own personal circumstances and relationship with one another it turned into a different film so originally just being a relationship story it's now basically a breakup story and just a moving on from a relationship type of story so it's kind of split up into a you know a, like uh two parts like a before and an after like a one year later type of thing um so i i wasn't sure how much we were going to talk about like little bits in the movie because there was a lot of stuff i wrote down that made me laugh like the banana Banana thing's funny. I don't respond to sarcastic fun. I don't respond to sarcastic fun. I liked a lot. Big fan of that. <laughs> I think that, that something that's really great about this film is how layered it is. And we talked about how respectful it is of our time. Uh, it crams a lot in there. And I think it has some oh, really yeah. interesting tricks that it took from other films, certainly. One of uh, glaring thing I noticed was... Um, I, see, I saw it in uh, Closer as well. And it's been in a lot of films, but... Um, the um, advancement in time, but not being super clear about it most of the time. Outside of the one year later title card, there are obvious leaps in time that take place, but you don't really know exactly how much it is. Right. And I really like that. It's a little disorienting, but it also lets the audience give it a little bit of uh, leeway, maybe. Um, yeah. And, and it gives you the opportunity to piece those pieces, to put those pieces together on repeated viewings. Like, I think it wasn't until the second or third time that I saw it that I realized after the, after the one year later when they're, he's meeting her again, that he was on the phone with a girlfriend or something. Oh yeah. I didn't realize that. So when he meets up with Greta Gerwig and eventually they have sex, 
he's cheating on his current partner. That's something I didn't even realize the first time I watched it. I realized it when we watched it the first time, and I was yeah. like, I'm like, doesn't didn't he wasn't he saying I love you to someone on the phone just a yeah. minute ago? And luckily, we could tell the change of time because he shaved off his chin strap. We do know that, yes. So that is helpful. That's true. Yes. Yes, but you didn't need the title card for that thing to disappear. It um, seemed like longer than a year. I liked... For sure, to yeah. me. Yeah, but I think that there was a, a quite a period of time from the beginning of the movie until the one year later. Well, I think that that's like a year. When he ends up calling her out of the blue, she's incredibly surprised. Like, she's like, I can't believe that he's calling me. It just seemed like longer than, I mean, a year is a long time, I suppose, yeah, yeah. to not speak to someone that you were, you know. Right. Well, it's not a long time to not speak with someone that you broke up with, because sometimes <laughs> that's forever. Yeah. You never speak to them again. I mean, but... I, li I like to think that at least in that first portion of the film, each scene is is close to like a different weekend or something like yeah. that so it doesn't feel like it's the same weekend right because there'll be you know there was times in it where obviously if it was you know from a weekend to weekend basis they'll have good weekends and not so good weekends and right. certainly there was there was portions of the film where they were arguing for for yeah you know then kind of like you know it stilts the uh it stilts the weekend for them but I'm sorry you won't yeah. see me cry okay you won't see me cry ever again all yeah. right this is it <laughs> <laughs> she's a little whiny, but man, she's right most of the time. <laughs> He's kind of a dick. And like, even like when she starts like instigating a fight with him about going and dropping off things for work and it took 10 minutes. Yeah. She's being shitty. But then you see what his response is. Like, yeah. There's more going on. Like yeah. that's happened before. He's, yeah. he's super condescending to her. So, and yeah. a little gaslighty even to use the buzzword as it were, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, you can just tell that these two people, like, although they love each other quite a lot. They're maybe not, there's just not completely matched up. I don't yeah. know why she loves him. He doesn't seem that great. No. No, but then you do end up certainly as as younger people. Well, she doesn't seem that 20s. great either. If we're talking about their characters, if we're yeah. talking about Greta Gerwig, that's different. Yeah. But as her character, I'm like, eh, eh like yeah. she's um, frustrating. Yeah. And he is it, yeah, yeah. also um, frustrating, so... Yeah, I mean, but this is... Yeah, I mean, this is like... Yeah, this is the, the, the 101 of, like, relationships in your 20s. Like, you're not, you're not going to find that lasting relationship here. You're just... You're kind of testing the water, so... This is you kind of going through the gamut of human emotion whilst kind of... This is what we're kind of seeing with mm -hmm. this, this particular relationship that they have, so... The whole getting back... Well, it's not like they're getting back together... But when they meet up again, and it's so, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but it felt, I don't know, I had it's physical reactions yeah, to, it's awkward. to their interactions because meeting up with exes, and especially when you have one that seems to be doing better than the other, yeah. one that has, you know, because it's Joe Swanberg's character who has gone off and now he's doing photographs for a magazine and he was just doing um like a chat and he's doing really well in his like video game job right yeah and then you have Greta Gerwig who you're like what does she do I mean or, there's a really I mean she's a, well, she was going to get her master's yeah. right that was the catalog. yeah so she's like she's studying and stuff but then she's still in the same apartment she was yeah. in before her mattress is on the floor She's still got the same old roommate. Like, nothing's really changed for her so yeah. much. And he's doing really well in that short span of time. And that sucks, because you never want to see your ex doing well. Ugh. 
ever. All no. my exes are do much better than me. Uh, I just assume that all of mine are good doing. Good for them. They're very sweet. I assume all of mine are doing really poorly, and that's just Jesus. because I don't want to talk to them. Yeah, and no. that's fine. None of my exes are doing better than me. Good. Like none of them. Yeah, one of them is married and building a house currently. Um, I don't know. So when you get to a point in life where some of your exes still that are married and have kids still send you thirst texts via the internet, yeah, it's gross. I luck. I luckily don't get those. So that's fine. It's always flattering. Um, yeah. <laughs> so no one likes me that much. <laughs> you gotta check your I requests. Was, I was not section. I, I was never that memorable. <laughs> well, here's, here, here's something that Greta's character does during the movie, which I thought was probably one of the most awkward things, which is where she was like using Joe to try and get more experience within the writing field, like the journalism thing, where she's like trying to get the phone number from him so that she can try and like make a foothold in the career that she's interested in. I did not think that was weird. I thought how she broached it was super weird because she made it really awkward, even though it wasn't. But then his reaction was just like, right. And then it was there was no there was no follow up to that. It just kind of it kind of happened, and it was pretty much like a well, no, I can't do that for you. Oh, I read it differently. Right. I thought it's just like, is that what you're being so weird about? Like, yeah, that's not a problem. But then, but, you know, yeah, but then she never got she didn't. We never saw her get the phone number or anything. Like there was no kind of contact there. Like it wasn't as if he came out in some sort of super enthusiastic manner. It's just like, yeah, of course I can do that for you, which is the answer you would fucking expect. Um, I don't think that there's any plot devices in any of these movies, though, that are that, no. you know, big. <laughs> yeah, I would, I, I, you, I think you, you took a little bit more out of it than I did. I thought of it more of a maybe, passing Yeah, thing. maybe did. I maybe did. I mean, the, the design of the film in general is that you're kind of not really from scene to scene meant to take anything forward. Not narratively, know. I don't think. Yeah. No, it's, it's you're not, just a collection of... I don't know, feelings almost. Yeah, because obviously there's no, there's no sense of, there's no plot that's effectively going on here. Like what you're, what you're doing is effectively is you're looking, you're, you're peering in through the open window of these people's lives. Well, I mean, it's it's still the classic setup. You've got, you know, your buildup of a relationship, the breakdown, and then your resolution where you're like, oh, yeah, we're not meant to be together. This yeah, is, there's still we're a, out, goodbye. Yeah, there's still a three-act structure going on here. But in terms of, like, in terms of, like, plot devices to, like, move the film forward, like, yeah. you're, you're looking at it from a voyeuristic standpoint. You're just so happy to have front row seats to what's happening here, mm-hmm. you know. The scene, like, which is kind of the the end of the, the very end of the film, um, where she, it's this whole sex setup where it's like, you know, he's in a relationship and you know, he's being bad. She has no idea. She's just, this is my old boyfriend and he's here and we're getting on really well. So let's bone. Um, and she does a million cute things like put on this robe. There's a moment where she's in the bathroom that I fucking love where she's trying to get cute and she doesn't know what to do and so she takes off her clothes and she's in her underwear and she's trying to adjust her bra and then she takes one boob yeah she just grabs one boob and places it outside of the bra and then tucks it back in and i died i, I love it i was it's one of my that was maybe it's my easily favorite. the most memorable shot in the whole that's movie. my favorite <laughs> yeah 
And I'm like, yes. It's because she does this like thing with her shoulders. It just kind of shrugs She's almost. Like, uh, like, uh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like how do I right make back. my boobs look the way that I need them to? Or like, how do I be sexy? Like, what is right. sexy? And I'm like, yes, what is sexy? That's wonderful. <laughs> I loved that moment so much. And then she comes out in that robe and she's like, hey, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't deal. I loved it so much. But then that whole sex scene at the end, which is the third and final time we see Joe Swanberg's penis at an hour, 13 minutes and 45 seconds is very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's one of the worst sex scenes I've seen just because it's so purely uncomfortable Whoa. having sex with someone that you've broken up with because you know in, in in my experience and I feel like most people's experience and there's I'm sure there's outliers there but when you break up with somebody when there is a breakup just don't try to get back together I'll let you know after the it happens for me <laughs> I'm gonna call you guess what I just did <laughs> I've done it I've done it two times I believe. And it is the saddest fucking thing <laughs> I've ever experienced when you're like, all right, we'll give it another shot. Oof. And then just that sad. The and you're saddest like, fuck thing. The saddest <laughs> fuck thing. And I've had nightmares about it in my recent life. So It's rough. Yeah, There's, it's a rough there, experience. There are it's so some, bad. Yeah. Like not only is what's taking place on the scene really uncomfortable, some of the dialogue makes me want to die. Like when, when he, he's like tells her to get up on him, like he's like, come up here and I'll lick you or something. It's like, oh. And then she's like, you know, I don't like that. But him just saying it so matter-of-factly, like hop up here on my face and I'm going to lick you. Yeah. It's just, Which it's, I didn't it's, have it, a problem with it. it I, I didn't know crass. why she had such a problem with it. But what I found even more disgusting is every time he called her baby, <laughs> I wanted to throw the TV out of the window. Yeah. Baby. Oh, uh, uh. like I was yeah. watching it today again with a commentary and they stopped talking during that whole end scene. And all I could hear is just like groaning baby at her. Well, you know, like, like oh, you know, baby, you want to fuck me? You can fuck me, baby. And I'm like, you never called her baby up until no. this moment. It's like, we've been in your relationship for this long throughout the whole film and now you're calling her baby well, I, I think, don't accept it I whatsoever. think it's uh, I think it's because it's his current relationship like entering the the bedroom where he's yeah. kind of like yeah he's that makes sense he's interjecting certain things that he's doing in his current relationship into his past relationship that he's I mean, I'm not even too sure if, like, we would say he's, like, trying to rekindle it because I'm slightly... No, I don't think so. I'm no. slightly confused by, like, what it is that they are trying to do because it's obvious from the way that it's shot in that second half of the film is that we focus on her a fair amount where she's trying to make the best impression and she's really trying to... I guess give it a decent go, even though there's obviously a relevant amount of like apprehension about like, well, it didn't work the first time. Why would it work now? Yeah. But he thinks it's maybe business as usual and he can just like step right back in. And I think this is kind of like a dropping of the guard where he's kind of saying things and doing things that are kind of relevant to his current relationship. So I think it shows, too, a pretty honest version of what their relationship actually was when it was a real relationship. He's a little, he's arrogant, and she's insecure. That's yeah. a lot of it, you know? He, uh, and I, yeah, so, 
I think that they they don't argue, they're not they don't have a reason to argue. They don't have that tension that exists while hanging out that second half of the movie. But at the end of the day, they're still pretty similar people. Um, yeah. So. Super gross. <laughs> that whole thing was gross. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, they do a thing, and uh, it was gross. And it's sad. pretty much it's pretty much the death Neil. I feel like there's a big question mark, too, as to whether or not they actually fucked in that scene. In real life, I mean. In real life. It looks like they may have. They don't, because the camera doesn't cut, it's not like it's, uh, you know, they do an insert of penetration or something. You wouldn't (laughs) be able to see it, really, from the position that the camera was in. But it looks, but it's also, where did it go? She's straight (laughs) sitting on it. Yeah. She is sitting on it, and whether or not she's sitting upon it or it is yeah, inside like, of her yeah. i do not know it's either being smushed or something I yeah don't know. well i mean when we were watching it i'm like she's like yeah. her vagina is on that penis 100 percent. definitely touching there yeah touching tips they touch tips <laughs> in that hotel room bed for sure for sure <laughs> how many times they had to do that scene i don't know but how many times did they get to is what you mean that's <laughs> no i can't imagine that was sexy to make it all that was probably horrible yeah although who knows maybe joe likes that sort of thing maybe that's why he's hard that's, in all of his movies that's why he's always has an erection yeah you want to hear my trivia now right i can run through it yeah i would say so we've run through the entire film cool yeah <laughs> so <laughs> I was curious about how sorry, sorry. how some of these people met because I know Greta Gerwig she was going to go to school for like playwriting. Yeah, and she has a background in dance, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm like how did this happen? How did she get involved in these films when she wasn't really an actor or mm-hmm. anything? Yeah. So, I guess when she her then college boyfriend Chris Wells who actually works at Mubi right now. He's the director of US distribution. Oh, that's wild. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. So he went to a student filmmaking symposium at Telluride and Swanberg was there and that's where they met. And so Joe sent a DVD of his first movie of the Kissing on the Mouth movie to um, to Chris. And then they ended up working on LOL. And so Chris, who was Greta's boyfriend at the time, asked Greta if he could use a voicemail message that she'd left for him as a message from his character's fictional girlfriend in LOL. So he was like, can you just record something for me and we'll we'll use it in the movie. But then it kind of went from there. So that's how she ended up like getting involved with that crew, essentially. Because um, so she phoned in a performance <laughs> and um, went to the premiere of LOL. That's where she met Joe Swanberg. And then they decided to work together. And that's how they ended up working on Hannah Takes the Stairs and then Nights and Weekends and so on. Um Let's see, what else do I have? I already spoke about them changing the movie because they ended up having, from what I read, they ended up having a fight. So they filmed the movie or like half of the film and then they just couldn't work together. It was just like big heads getting in the way. They were arguing and then they decided to just take a break. And it was one actual year before they ended up working and finishing the film. Oh, so they must have made this around the same time as Hannah Takes the Stairs. I think it was... Like, they must have been, like, back-to-back. Yeah. That's wild. Oh, didn't know that. So they ended up re-kind of writing what the end should be because they realized from their arguing and just kind of their relationship and how it had evolved and how maybe the story had evolved from there that they changed it to a breakup story. 
Um, hence the one year later, which is actually a literal one year later. Um, and I found a little thing that Joe Swanberg said in 2005 about dealing with sex in films. He said, I was still really frustrated with most movies, especially in the way they deal with sex. What is the big deal? This is something that we're dealing with all the time and it's completely devoid in movies. Why are we shying away from it? And Greta Gerwig said about nudity, she goes, I don't mind being nude on screen or anywhere, really. But these films are um, a weird document that I'll have as I get older. And I can't even believe now, looking at Hannah Takes the Stairs, that my 20-year-old self is okay with that. I'm sort of shocked that I was just like, no, it doesn't have to be flattering. I don't care. I'll just be naked. And I think that's sort of beautiful. So. Yeah, that's cool. Those are my trivia bits. Yay. Here we are. Um, so let's, is there anything else you guys wanted to drop in before we do our, um, our final ratings? No. Anything? Mm, no, I don't think so. Wonderful. I'm going to go first because I'm already talking. Yeah. So in terms of visibility and context, it's got a big fat five for me. Um, there is a wonderful balance of nudity between the two characters in this film. There might be more male nudity in this film, but there is quite a bit of boob. So I, it's, I mean, I could probably count it up and give you a scientific measurement, but I don't have those details with me right now, but I thought the balance was amazing. Um, really front loaded with penis, which is fun and it's also in terms of just the style of film when you're talking about like having an honest depiction of situations and and honesty i mean there you go in my opinion so you got regular human soft bodies doing it on the floor and and i think that's five five stars would you like to go next josh sure uh, five stars. Five stars for visibility. <laughs> obviously, it's naturalistic. It's it feels real. Uh, it it feels like it lives somewhere between a uh, narrative and a documentary. Um, yeah. I think it's a really beautiful, um, beautiful film in a lot of ways. It's not necessarily the happiest thing in the world, but I think that it's really uh, honest. Yeah, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to say five stars and I kind of feel like I'm repeating the things that you guys said, but I think the biggest thing about it is that it's, it's honest, you know, it's not kind of, uh, yeah, it's honest. Simple as that. It's realism. So, you know, Yay. it feels honest to me. Um, and in terms of the film overall, I think I gave it a four, but the more we talk about it, I might, I might go up a bit. But maybe I'll watch it again and, and then decide. But four for now, because I really liked it. And um, I don't know. I just freaking liked it. I just had a nice time watching it. And it gave me feelings and it made me feel things. And it made me physically move my body out of how gross it was every time he said baby. And, and it really kind of harkened back to, I think, a lot of situations that most people have been in in terms of relationships and... Um, not that you necessarily want to experience those things again, <laughs> but but I think that they, they handled it really well. Yeah. Um, I go higher on it. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I, I always consider, I mean, it's actually one of my favorite films that might be the newest of my, what I would consider to be like my arbitrary top five list or whatever that's constantly changing, of course. Yeah. But 
yeah, um, seeing this and Hannah Takes the Stairs in 2008 uh, not only started a 15-year crush on Greta Gerwig that will never die. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I think that it, it, it showed me that there was a group of people out there that were making something new and interesting and fresh and just decided, fuck it, we're going to make, make, we're going to tell stories how we want to about what we want to. Um, I think that they're very defining movies for millennials. Um, yeah. I think that uh, Gen X has their voices. Joe Swanberg, I think, could be uh, very easily equated to somebody like uh, Linklater or somebody like that. That's a voice for a, very, for a different generation. Um, so, yeah, I think that his stuff is great. And I think that this is maybe my favorite of Joe Swanberg's movies. And one of it's it's up. I, I love Greta Gerwig's stuff for different reasons. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Ryan. Um, so kind of like going off of what Josh just said there, I mean, I'm a massive fan of, of independent cinema and I love the idea that, you know, we end our, we end up seeing in, in the industry, these kind of cycles, certainly in American cinema, you see these cycles of, you've got your big films and you have your little films and suddenly your little films tend to be the expression of, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess of, of like, the, you know, the real, the real time, like you want to go to see these films to find something relatable to really kind of look at, you know, not big stories, but little stories, things that you're able to kind of attach yourself to. And I guess that's kind of where my love of the independent cinema is. And I think watching these films is that it's, it's, it's proof positive that the, it's still going it's still going strong and even after say joe swanberg and certainly this troop of other filmmakers there's going to be another group of filmmakers who's going to carry on the legacy of of this just because from decade to decade like that's just the way it's been um there always has to be a counterbalance to the to the much bigger pieces of film and i feel like we're at we're at a point right now in cinema where when films are big, they're bigger than they've ever been, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're particularly good or relatable. So, um, I gave this film four stars. Um, I like it an awful lot. Um, I guess my only kind of drawback with it is like, as a filmmaker myself, like I find myself in positions where, you know, you, you, you'd create stories and ideas and things like a very similar way. Um, I do find some points of the film, certainly the beginning, to be a little bit wandery, um, but that feels like that's kind of the natural trappings of doing things in a very naturalistic, improvisation, you know, improvisational manner. Um, I think you kind of have to look at it a little bit more, a little bit more than that. But, uh, yeah, I would also say that, you know, it's definitely deserving of, of more than four at some point. But uh, from this day, yeah, the first time seeing it, this was, uh, yeah, this was a very pleasant experience. We'll just have to buy it. We'll have to purchase it rather than borrowing it from Josh. It, we could definitely look into doing that, yes. It's already in the cart. <laughs> oh, okay. Gee golly whiz. Y'all, I'm so glad we got to talk about nights and weekends, and I'm glad we kind of switched things around so that we could do this all together as friends, because this is a great movie, and I wish that it was a little bit more available for everybody, but I will make sure to let you know where you can find it. But thank you guys for being here. Um, coming to you 
standing upside down underneath the bean in Chicago. I have been Laura. That's so weird. Like, that would make me feel <laughs> sick when she was doing that. I didn't, it was just like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm so tired right now. Okay, nap time for Ryder. Right, yeah, I need to go to bed. Okay, that's Ryan. And hi, Josh. Still here. Bye, Josh. Bye bye. Uh, bye, Ryan. Nap time. Underneath the bean. And just so you know, if you like nights and weekends, you're going to fucking love The Flash. (laughs) (laughs) All my shit is fresh. Ew. Real fresh shit coming out of this mouth. Yeah. (laughs) 